0: there's greatness in you. Let's talk about it. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Jamil Syed, and welcome to the Transformation Starts Today podcast where I interview leaders, champions, and high performers from all walks of life as they share their story, the lessons they've learned along the way, and empowering perspectives to help you create an extraordinary life without regret starting today. Today we have with us the Gaia goddess herself, Maria Marshall. Maria has a strong background in visual arts and was educated at the Fashion Institute of Technology and Parsons School of Design. She is a conscious creative who utilizes social entrepreneurism, storytelling, and community building to inspire, heal, and empower women. Additionally, Maria has worked as a holistic volunteer and gifts Reiki and Reiki training to the disadvantaged. Maria, it is an honor to have you with us. Welcome to the show. Uh,
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here.
0: It's so wonderful to connect with you. It's beautiful because this is our first time connecting, and we connected through a mutual friend, Dr. Lydia, and it's it's a wonderful experience on my end to connect with somebody like as my audience is maybe connecting them for the first time too. And so we can have fun, we can get to know each other, and we can really make today as valuable as possible for everyone listening.
1: Oh, that sounds great.
0: And Looking I, forward to it. Yeah, yeah, and so if we, if we could start with you sharing for my listeners who don't yet know you, I find that each of us is the hero of our own story. You know, we've overcome challenges, obstacles, hardships as lessons that we've learned along the way. And it's all brought us to where we are right now. So can you catch us up? You know, who is Maria? What is it that you've experienced that's led you to what you do now? And what would you love to share with our audience?
1: Sure, sure. Well, I'm, you know, I'm sort of, you know, mid range through my lifespan and I would say that, you know, um who I am today is very different than who I was when I embarked on this path of awakening and consciousness. I believe um a lot of people out there are still not yet um, living their best lives, you know, kind of in survival mode, you know, looking at what's gone on, what what you feel in the energies in the city, the fear the density around pandemic and so on and so forth. um, I'm kind of grateful, actually, that today I have some tools that I started to delve into the meaning of life, why I was here, why I felt the way I did most of my life, which I would say was very disempowered, um, fear and fear, fear of failure, lack of self-worth, a lot of things that I uh, I didn't know at the time uh, we're really coming from uh, tra- trauma from my childhood that had been repressed. A lot of it was buried. I didn't remember, uh, or I didn't want to acknowledge. You know, I just wanted to pretend everything was perfect. That my life was exactly the way it should be, and for all practical purposes, it looked really great. You know, I have married. I had three kids. We have a comfortable lifestyle. Uh, I had lots of friends. I I lived a beautiful life, but I wasn't happy. I I really, I, I don't know as a child, even if I ever really felt like this deep sense of happiness and that I could even connect to gratitude on some level. And I didn't know it at the time, but that was probably because I had all this trauma that needed to be healed. And I had an awakening experience, um, about eight years ago a little bit before that i started studying with a body of work called access consciousness and it was really good because it got it gave me a very good foundation of understanding that we as beings kind of have um intuition we already we know things so we we can ask questions create awareness Uh, We also pick up on energy and other people's energies. So I worked with that body work for a bit and then my mother died. But prior to my mother passing away of breast cancer, I had taken her to an energy healer and my back had been out for 13 years. So I went to him too, my friend recommended him. And uh, it was an amazing experience because this man dug his hands into trigger points where I was holding a lot of trauma and all of this energy started stirring in my body and i felt my whole body shaking and vibrating but also at the same time my heart chakra cranked open my crown chakra cranked open and i started hearing things and crying tears of joy and feeling things i had never felt before so i was like so intent on finding out what it was that and how do i do that because i want i want to know more about energy healing So uh, when my mother passed, I had an opportunity to be trained in in an energy modality, and I also started volunteering at a homeless shelter in Miami for five years and um, gifting Reiki and crystals and sound, and I also sing, so I I work with a lot of different modalities, I'm still married at this point, though, and very disempowered. And I I like to not sound like a victim, right? Because we can't, nobody can take your power. You give your power away. So I don't, uh, if I was disempowered and not in a, a marriage that allowed me to be fully and discover who I was, that was because that was my choosing. And either out of fear or not knowing I deserve better, I didn't have self-worth in place or whatnot. That was the story. So as I started to study and read everything I could get my hands on, um, I realized that uh, the marriage wasn't serving me. And luckily, by that time, two of my children were already at college and one was about to go. I really enjoyed being a mother. I'm happy it didn't happen when they were two and four, you know, I'm happy it happened when they were already old, adult children and had the benefit of their parents together. And I picked up and literally left my home of 26 years and moved to New York. I'd always wanted to go back to the Northeast. And, um, I started having a vision for this business guy, a goddess. I started, um, well, I always loved working with women. I always was one of those people that people came to for advice. So I think that was an inherent gift that I was born with. But I don't know that I really felt like I had something to give. In fact, earlier in my life, people say, What was your what are your dreams? What do you dream of? And I, I would always draw a blank and be like, What? I don't have a dream. I mean, I know what they are, why you should have them. Why don't I have a dream? Mm -hmm. And I realized because I had a fear of failure and if I could dare to dream, I might fail. And then that would confirm what I already thought about myself, that I wasn't worthy. So what I really had to do, and I think the greatest healing there is for anybody is to heal the lack of self-worth, the lack of love at the core. All of us are love and light, right? As these spiritual beings having a human experience, And so once I started delving very deep in the middle of a pandemic, processing a divorce in a new house, no friends around, but I literally asked the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, source, creator, show me, show me everything. I don't remember why am I the way I am? And they started to unravel all of these memories, all of these Realizations and things I didn't even want to acknowledge to myself started coming through and they were very painful to see and very painful to transmute. But each layer I got to brought me closer and closer to more self-worth and 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 seeing this vision of what was it that we lack here right now, especially women, because um, I think women and men alike need healing. But women on the planet are still, you know, subjugated somewhat in many professions to men. Uh, there are more male entrepreneurs, there's there's in in medical field, like it's it's definitely out of balance. It's okay, not to make anybody wrong, but I felt called to work with women. And I felt called to create a community and a, a system of support where women could reach out and have other women to talk to as they were going through some of the trials I had gone through. Uh, For instance, you know, being a mother is not the easiest thing in the world and raising children, especially when you're not healed yourself, because you tend to pass a lot of your stuff on to your kids. Mm -hmm. And I just wrote an article, Confessions of a Helicopter Mom, which I did that for a while. Um, And so the idea was uh, to bring community support uh, online education. I had, you know, I had to find healers to help me. I had to find different people to work with. I had to understand and, and it, you know, they came, but it wasn't one-stop shopping, you know, and I wish that there's a place where women could go, where they could really find everything that they need. I think ultimately everything we need is inside, but occasionally we do need to do some breath work. Occasionally, we need to um, find a meditative practice, right? Or uh, learn Reiki and learn about our chakra system. Even that was very empowering for me to understand. We have these energetic systems, and they can be shut down by different experiences we've had or are having. And how do you open them up so that your energy flows? Because you know, uh, disease comes from not being in balance emotionally right? And when your chakras are closed over and over, you know, you're usually going to create something that starts out and it comes into the emotional field and then it ends up in the physical body. So as someone who suffered back pain for 13 years, literally could not sit in a car and drive without a traction device on myself, I don't have back pain anymore because there were things causing it that I cleared. <clears throat> and I'm, that was a very long, answer to your question. And I'm sure there's more on that, but I'll give you a pause so you can ask me.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, beautifully shared. Uh, definitely not too much. It was it was perfect. <laughs> um, so much to comment on. Let's see if I can just do it from memory. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a fellow New Yorker, by the way. If oh, been- good. Yeah. And so, uh, let's see. I think that this idea of addressing the root cause, you know, of what's actually going on, you know if, if for example with you it was the back pain and wh- whoever is listening maybe they have some symptoms that they're experiencing now sometimes the source of a problem let's say a physical problem is physical and if that's the case like you broke your bone or something there's things to do in the world of the physical But very often, there are emotional components, there are mental components, there might be spiritual components. And from that space, if that's the source of the problem, and in a way, it's almost like there's a trickle-down effect, and then in the physical, we're experiencing it, you can do all these things in the world of the physical, but because that's not where the problem is rooted, you might get some palliative care, you might get like a Band-Aid approach, it feels a little bit better, but you're never going to get the resolution. And you did. And so that's so wonderful that you addressed that at the cause. And I encourage everyone, you know, to dive into your dive into yourself. Like you said, the answers are in there. And if you're working with a professional, work with a professional who's going to see you in a holistic light, who's really going to understand your story. And you talked about these beliefs that, you know, I'm also an energy healer as an aspect of the work that I do and that an emotional release work. And when we dive into typically the unconscious, but when I dive into a a person's past, what comes up pretty universally are these beliefs that you were talking about, about worthiness. It could be, I'm not worthy. It could be, I'm not lovable. It could be, I'm not enough, or I'm not good enough. I'm too this. I'm to that. I don't matter. I'm not important. My life doesn't mean anything. Whatever these thoughts are that are like these, those are like the primary like six or seven, however many I said. And these are things that there's people listening who would say, Oh, I don't think any of those, but deep down they actually do. <laughs> and it's You're like driving right. fear that everything that we're doing is almost like a mask or a front that we're putting up to hopefully not ever experience those fears as true. It's like, I hope it's not true, so I do everything I can to avoid it. And so much of our pain I've seen comes from forgetting who we really are.
1: Yes. At our core,
0: and then living yeah. with the mask.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I, I follow a channel, Paul Salig, and his guides talk about the masks. They say, you know, you are not, the, the child that was beaten by her father and terrified by men. you are Those are the masks that you see yourself through. It's almost like a lens, right? Yeah. And when you remove all of those experiences that cause you pain and trauma and to develop belief systems that are not true and alignment with your truth, then you can start to see yourself as who and what you truly are. And, um, you know, an infinite being that has is powerful manifester that can consciously create in the world. Um, but yes, it's pretty hard to acknowledge that I didn't have. It was hard for me to acknowledge that I wasn't that I didn't have self-love and I I saw it. And then I was like, oh, okay, now what do I do with that? Like, wh- where's the class I sign up for? That's okay. You don't have self-love. Come sign up. Want Self-love 101 in college. Nobody talks about that stuff. Nobody talked about it when I was a kid. Do you love yourself? Are you proud of yourself? Are you patting yourself on your back for how far you've come in your healing? Nobody does that. I mean, they, the healer friends I work with do. <laughs> but right? I mean... <laughs> It's just not part of our human experience. If you're my age, I think maybe now the newer generations are growing up with this kind of consciousness, Mm. but I didn't.
0: Yeah. Could you share some of your experiences as it relates to your journey of self-love and what it was you took on that other people could benefit from as well?
1: Yeah. I mean, with the the self-love, and I mentioned this in one of my Instagram reels is um, affirmations, you know, they just sound like hogwash, right? But words are very powerful and thoughts are very powerful. And, uh, you know, how do we manifest thought, word and action? So, for instance, I'm not a published writer, but I know I'm a writer. And so I'm not going to wait until I publish a book to say I'm a writer. I'm a damn good writer and I have a few pieces that haven't been published, but I am still a writer. So every day I claim I'm a writer. But other people will say, well, what have you published? Well, Mm -hmm. then you're not a writer. So it's like, hey, are you willing to see your gifts and claim, you know, your gifts? And I can do that today because I don't care what other people think about me. And that's a big healing, too, because when you care about what other people think about you, you're only willing to play a role. What you think is valuable or they think is valuable. But what really important is what do you think about yourself? So for me, I first started working with an affirmation. um, I am worthy. And I was actually listening to Neil Donald Walsh book on my, my, in, in my car. I don't know, back then, maybe it was a CD or tape or something. And uh, the female voice came through and said, uh, of course, you're worthy as an aspect of the creator. How could you be anything but? And at that moment, I broke down driving down the highway, I do mention this in one of my reels too. Um, Screaming, screaming, indignant at the universe. I am worthy. I I swore. I won't use the (laughs) word I use. I am freaking, I'm going to make a substitution. Freaking (laughs) worthy. Do you hear me? I am worthy. Bawling my eyes out. Because it hurts so much. Because it was like, wow, all those years that I didn't believe it. All those years that I created from lack of. I'm It's kind of hard to now, like I was mad. And the next morning I had an idea for a musical that I started writing right away. And I felt like it was a gift. It was like the universe saying, okay, finally you got somewhere and here's something to prove it. So I, I do tell people working with affirmations, they can sound like just words. It can feel very hard to emotionally connect with them. Try to feel the emotion of it. Try to imagine what it feels like to feel worthy Mm -hmm. and try to see yourself doing things that someone who feels worthy of themselves would do, like set healthy boundaries with other people or, you know, all the things that we have trouble doing if we don't think we're worthy. So that's how it came through for me. And I'm not going to say it was one-stop shopping. I am still working on it. I am still working on fear. Fear is very compelling. You know, the fear of failure. I'm I'm working on a business right now. And there are days that I'm like, what if it doesn't work? And then I say cancel, cancel. When it works, this is what I see. So it's just reprogramming all of those thoughts, beliefs. Some of them were implanted, some of them we heard in music, some of them came through the news station, some of them came through our parents, you know, or friends, but they're there. And, you know, you have to acknowledge that our subconscious holds a lot of belief systems and programs that are not working for us right now, you know, and ask to see them and then work with them. There's a, there's a lot of ways, right? In hypnosis, you can be hypnotized. You can, you can do breath work, right? There's a lot of ways to heal.
0: Absolutely. You know, there's so many beautiful aspects there that I'd like to touch on. Worthiness is... Very interesting, because to me, when we think about what you heard in that Neil Donald Walsh book, and for everyone who's listening, you know, he's written many books, but he's got a series called Conversations with God, and they're all great. But that first one, I think, is so all three are phenomenal. But the first one is so wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I definitely recommend people check that out if they're interested. Now, one perspective, you would not be here if you weren't worthy because your birth was your tuition paid in full. There <laughs> is. There is nothing that exists that is not worthy of existence. And the proof is that it exists. (laughs) Anything that's not worthy of existence doesn't exist. And so from that space, you're here. And there's this distinction that I make between an affirmation and a declaration. And I'd love to share that with people. And I think this goes back to our initial part of the conversation about doing the work doing the internal work on ourselves to heal. So sometimes we do affirmations and we say something that consciously we hope is true, we want to be true. But if we have those feelings deep down, those beliefs of the unworthiness and unlovability and not deserving and things like that, if that's really under there and you try to stack an affirmation on top of it, there's actually studies that show it does more harm than good because you're actually, every time you affirm the positive voice, that negative voice gets louder and says, no, you're not, or that's not true. And so what I've often found is first, we have to do the self healing, we have to do the emotional release work, we have to, we have to shift whatever needs to be shifted. So you get underneath that, whatever that voice is. And so the the affirmation to me is like the gateway, you start with the affirmation, and you say it, and then how do you feel? And then when you notice, I'm feeling like, uh, out of integrity with that, or out of alignment, or there's a voice in my head that seems to be saying something not too pleasant when I say that out loud. And then to me, once you do the healing work and that voice has been not silenced in a negative way, but silenced in the sense that it has no further comment. It's cool with what you're saying. Now I love shifting it into a declaration. And as a declaration, it's saying, this is who I declare myself to be in this moment going forward, regardless of anything that's happened in the past Mm -hmm. up until now. And when we can do that release work first and we get clear of the past, And like you said, I am a writer and it reminds me of this Will Smith uh, interview that I saw years ago where he basically said something like in the beginning when he was doing like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and stuff like that, right before he did that, he started uh, getting into acting and he convinced himself, I'm already like one of the top actors in Hollywood. And then everyone would look at him going, well, what shows have you done and what movies have you done? And because they're looking (laughs) for external validation. In the case of your story, you know, what books have you published? Somebody might say to you, but Will Smith's perspective was, no, no, I'm already there. Now it's just going to take a while for all of you to see it. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, we. there's an expression, seeing is believing, but then you flip it, believing is seeing. And I'm going to be it first internally and embody that Napoleon Hill quote, everything's created twice, first in the mind and then in actuality. I created here, I, you know, I, I often tell people, how is anything created It's created by first speaking it into existence and then acting in alignment with what you said. And if you're in integrity with what you said, it will happen, or at least it has the greatest possibility of happening. Mm -hmm. And anything great, there's that expression. I think it's a Gandhi quote, but it's something like, I'm going to paraphrase it. First, they make fun of you. They ridicule you. They laugh at you. They do all that. Then they fight you. And then they realize that you were right and they agree with you. (laughs) And so just coming from that space of, you are worthy, doing the internal work, declaring who it is that you choose to be in this life, and then coming from that space and living in alignment with it and trusting that your external world will shift, but the internal world has to shift first because the external is a projection or a reflection of the
1: internal. Yes, beautifully put.
0: Can you please share with us more about your organization, Gaia Goddess, and what is it? You alluded to it a bit, but what is it all about? What is its mission? How does it serve? It sounds like predominantly women, but how does it serve people just in general?
1: When we say predominantly women, I do think there'll come a time when we'll be working with men as well, and maybe even with couples. But I believe that in order for the masculine to heal on the planet, the feminine has to first know who she is and what she's capable of and and what she's worthy of Mm -hmm. because a lot of the masculine paradigm of what it is to be a man and how what you know you have to provide and you have to be strong and you can't be emotional and la 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 is also based on like what does it mean to be a woman right so i feel like the woman uh women's um women need to come into balance and into empowerment and well, how do you empower? Well, certainly healing, right? Claiming your worth and healing, and like you said, you have to go to those those experiences and those internal things that stop you from claiming your worth. Because as a child, your parents fought in front of you. you two years old, and you thought it was your fault, right? That little baby was like, it must be me. There's something wrong with me. And you may not know that. You may not even remember that. But if you ask to be taken back, if you ask to do breath work those things will come up. You may, again, maybe you'll see them, but, or the energy will come up and, and you give it an option or you, you have the choice to release it. So, um, I think that with, within Gaia Goddess, uh, I am very interested in women's empowerment. I'm very interested in women's healing. I'm interested in women, supporting women with some of the difficult decisions that has been, you know, there have been to make like, How do, you know, in a world where typically the masculine, at least in my life, the husband handled the financing, the husband handled the investments, it's, you know, I didn't really have financial literacy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I think it's very important for a woman and a man, for everybody to understand, you know, whatever the form of exchange is, how to manage it, how to invest it how to secure it, how to provide for their family and so on and so forth. So that's women and business, that's financial literacy. That's also mindfulness for mothers. You know, mothers have it rough. We as mothers are um I had a I listened to a great to- talk given by Eve Radsky, wrote Fair Play. And she was talking about invisible hours and I just thought it was so well put about She's a lawyer. Her husband works, but she's doing all of these other hours for birthday parties and end of the year gifts of the teachers and cleaning up the house and play dates and camp forms and la, 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 la. And that this can build resentment in couples Mm -hmm. because those hours go unacknowledged. So like bringing consciousness to what it is to be a woman in the world. How do you spend your time? How do you nurture yourself as a mother who is overwhelmed? And maybe you and your partner, you know, look at the hours and you somehow decide how they're going to be split so that you have time to nurture yourself and love yourself and be in better balance because, um, an unhappy mommy is not a good mommy usually, right? She's not the best mommy she can be. And, um, so I see a lot of, uh, courses, In uh, literacy, financial literacy and women entrepreneurs, um, herbalism, so many women are interested in different ways of healing breath work, uh, Reiki level trainings, um, hypnotherapy, conscious relationships. I work with a breath work practitioner now. It's just amazing. And I'm so grateful that I have the abundance to be able to work with her. Maybe not everybody can work one-on-one with someone like that. So maybe she comes on to Gaia's platform and she does a group, right? Or the same thing with Reiki, you know, uh, making these things accessible so that you're not doing it alone because the healing process can be very, very painful and hard and destabilizing. And, you know, you got to feel it to heal it. So if you're bringing up trauma from the past, you know, unfortunately you're going to feel it. And in the middle of everything else, it's not easy to do by yourself. And it might be nice to know a few healers. It might be nice to have a group of women going through the same thing. Also, I I have a dear friend who supports women who have children that are addicted or suicidal. And she has a hundred women that she meets with and brings in resources for and, They talk about wellness programs for the kids or what works and what science is backing this medicine or this approach. And honestly, the whole paradigm of women competing against other women, like there aren't enough good men out there or you're never pretty enough or you're never this enough. It's time that we come together and and band together and support each other to be the best we all can be you know, lift, lift humanity that way. Not, we're not going up against each other. We got to come together to lift. And I think that's, that's true for women and men, but you know, I'm starting with the women. So I really, uh, see in person events are very important. I hosted a couple of retreats in April, our first ones in Maui in March Mm. and the first paid and, uh, when women come together with the intention to heal, what happens is powerful and magical. It's almost like people are having releases before they even land at the center because their higher selves know, oh, we're coming together. We're, th- we're going to let go of this. And um, and then you have this beautiful space created by people that have been through what you've been through, know how to support you, hold this space for you, tell you all of the wonderful things about yourself that maybe you don't believe and and not from a place of inauthenticity, but it's like, I know this about you because I know this about me. I know you can heal this because I did it. I know you can find self-worth and love because I did it. This is how I did it. I don't know how you're going to do it. Maybe the way I did it, maybe your own way. But here's what's available to you. This is what I offer. This is what's worked for me. And I... See that happening, you know, online. I see that happening in events and retreats and, um, you know, in forums that we have on our app, eventually women and entrepreneurs or women branding or women trying to get pregnant. Also, there's a lot of infertility out there. And I, I went through IVF and I have to tell you, it's heart wrenching, Mm -hmm. not being able to do something you were born to be able to do, create life and not having it click is so, um, I don't know, disempowering, honestly, as a woman. And so I think there's a big need for that too. And supporting women in maternity, uh, new mothers, not every, I, I was lucky I had my mother come every time I had a child, she came for two weeks. She showed me how to hold the baby and do this and do that. But not every woman has a mother. Not every woman has a great relationship with their mother. So it's nice to have people to talk to. It's like, oh, well, when, when can you put a little oats in their in their formula so they sleep through the night? You know what I mean? I, I think, um, yeah, so that's what I see. And, and, I, and I see it growing. I see it being global. Uh, my intuition shows, you know, I do kind of have these, I don't know if they're imaginings or visions or thoughts or whatever they are, but me and also other people that I talk to about the brand see kind of the same thing happening over time.
0: That's so wonderful. I have uh, a bunch of things I wrote down here while you were speaking that I thought were such good points. This idea, first of all, just an acknowledgement to you and with and maybe your team for creating this space in this group because I think one of the primary challenges so many of us deal with when we're going through hardship in any capacity is we think nobody else understands and I'm all alone. Yes. And and if we think I'm all alone, nobody else understands. You know, in Latin, the word courage comes from cur in Latin and cur means heart. And when we're discouraged, we're disheartened. And when we come from space of nobody understands, you kind of get disheartened, you lose hope. And then there's that kind of contraction. And then this thought of what's the point. And when you can create a space, I, I wrote down here with community, teach, love, share. Like when you can create a space of, in this case, women who come together and it's like, hey, here's what, you know, maybe my mom taught me, but maybe your mom didn't teach you, or here's something that I'm struggling with and I'm going to share it, but I didn't know you're struggling with it too. And I just came up with a solution that benefited both of us, or you share something with me that changed my life. And it, it, it empowers people. And this idea of empowerment to me, you return this sense of agency to the individual where they feel like they actually have ownership and a sense of control over their life. And I think that, like you said, Feminine, feminine energy, masculine energy, we all have both, but coming from the space of, it's not about, uh, in order to empower one, you got to empower the other. In, in order to truly benefit the whole, you yes. prop up all the parts. And so it, it reminds me mm-hmm. of that expression, the rising tide lifts all boats. And when the tide goes up, everybody benefits. And so you know, for everyone is listening, my perspective at least, the greatest gift you can give the world is the greatest version of you. The greatest gift you can give the world is your own happiness, is you thriving, is you happy. And if you bring that to the world, the most empowered version of you, everyone around you, there's like a ripple effect. You're just shining. You're radiating this light. People experience that. You inspire them to do the same in their own life, especially if you're willing to be courageous enough to open up and be vulnerable and to share your journey up until this point, because you probably weren't always that way. And when they (laughs) see that and they say, oh, my gosh she was where I'm at, or maybe she was even far worse off and she could become this what's possible for me. I agree. Yeah.
1: And I'll tell you, it's not like I don't still struggle. I, especially with the business for the first time and having trust and faith, belief in myself, but also belief in the mission and Mm -hmm. that it's necessary on the planet. And I believe it's timely on the planet, but there's a lot of steps I have to take that risk, you know, monetary loss and, you know, um, failure or whatever that I have to take based on this is going to work. And there are are some days where I get scared and then I have to like deal first with my fear. So one of the things that I love with Paul Salix guys is the action of fear is to create more fear, never choose in fear. Never make a decision in fear. So when you're in fear, the first thing you have to do is get yourself out and then you can choose, you know, you're not, don't, don't buy a house when you're in fear. Don't, you know, pick a, um, even an important employee that you're going to hire. Don't do that in fear. Don't do anything in fear. And sometimes in order to get out of fear, I feel like today, right now, honestly, after we get off this call, I'm going to do some breath work. Because I have a release coming up, but I feel it. I know it. My chakras are starting to shut down. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: so I'm like, okay, something wants to come up. I've been doing this dark night of the soul work for six years. Okay. It's not, it's not a night. It's okay though, because in the end of the day, what you said about being the highest vibration you can be is the greatest gift you can give the world. Because from that vibration, you're shining this light and people are saying, I remember her 20 years ago. What happened to her? And then they hear the story of what I went through. Oh, if she can do that, I can do that. And she's telling me I can do that. Not only is she telling me, she's got all these people that I can connect to that are all talking about the same thing. So I feel like, honestly, very deeply, I had a very hard, hard childhood. I I struggled. I, did not be- I was angry and raged at God. I didn't even dare. I want to talk to him. I didn't want to ask for help. It was going it alone, control everything, little misperfectionist. That was the way I dealt with my life. And honestly, today I know it's, that's not my reality. I ask for help. You have to well, you have to ask for help, but you also have to know you're worthy of help. But support, we all need support. We can't go it alone all the time, right? I mean, we're meant to interact and support each other. So, you know, that does come from a place of vulnerability though, admitting you need help, right? Admitting you don't have all the answers. Me just saying, I had a rough day today. Uh, Something triggered me and I know something triggered me and I know I have to take care of myself. And I will. (laughs) And then the next day will come. So it's not it's not easy by any stretch of the imagination. But what's the alternative? I mean, do you really just want to stay in fear your whole life and stay small? You know, I mean, that might be seem simpler, but I don't think it ever is. No, I, I I think your body will start waking you, will give you little wake up calls. If it wants you to move, you're going to have to move or you're going to start having back pain. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. What I've seen both medically and with the emotional work and the energy work, to your point, when, when our body starts to give us signs, symptoms, when you start getting that intuition, gut feeling, whatever we want to call it, something's not right. When we start getting what you're experiencing, like where you said, something's either contracting or coming up for me. And I know that I'm preparing for something so often. And I know in my own life, when I was younger, I did this quite often until I had my own version of an awakening. But this idea of feeling the intuition and completely ignoring it. And this idea that if something is coming up, what if we play with the possibility that it's coming up to come out? And if it's coming up to come out, it means that you're ready. For it to come mm-hmm. out. Otherwise, it wouldn't be coming up. And if we come from that space, I, I wrote here, you you know, you walk up to somebody and they you say, How are you doing? Or you it's a good friend of yours. What's going on? How are you feeling? And if we're wearing the mask, pretending to be perfect, thinking we have to have it all figured out, we can't show what somebody might perceive to be weakness or something like that, then it turns into, oh, I'm fine, I'm great, but it's just an empty word because inside we've got all this pain thinking that we're all alone, they won't understand, like, we we got to preserve a certain image. But to me, that is not what people might think to be strength. It's actually, yeah. you're fearful, you're scared. It's
1: the opposite of
0: strength. <laughs> and if we can actually open up, and sh- like you said, hey, I actually had a rough day, I will be okay. But right now, you know, I'm struggling a bit, and I'm going to take some time for me. Or you share it and maybe they're willing to share something or hold space for you. And maybe that's the healing that you needed, but you only got it because you were willing to open up in the first place. Any amount of times I've been with people that I'll ask them, how are you doing? Now, I might have just met them or they're friends of mine, or I've known them for a while either way. But when I ask, how are you doing? I really mean it you know, if you're gonna give me a 12 hour answer, I'm good for it, let's do it. But
1: <laughs> like,
0: because I don't, I'd much rather that, I've gone to parties that are five, six hours long and the first person I spoke to turned into that and that was the whole party for me, but it was so worth it because- it was the a real experience. That person, authentic. yeah, authentic, it was real, mm. that person and I just felt so much better. And yeah. people realize that somebody else cares. I feel like that is one of the unlocks that so often we think strangers or even people that we care about don't care to know or don't care about us, at least at that level. And I remember a story that's coming up is um, one of my earliest mentors in the work I do is Tony Robbins. And when I discovered him when I was 15, he, uh, he would talk about his story when he was a kid and it was Thanksgiving and his family... Uh, was one of the poorer families in the neighborhood and they didn't have much food at all. And Tony, I forgot how old he was, but he was like a teenager, I think. And someone knocks on the door and it's Thanksgiving and Tony opens the door and this guy is standing there with all this food. And Tony's got the biggest smile on his face and the guy goes, excuse me, son, is your father home? And this guy knew that everyone in the neighborhood knows his family is the one who's struggling and they all kind of donated so they can give him a Thanksgiving dinner. Tony runs over to his dad and he says, dad, 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 like there's a guy at the door. But Tony's dad was a very, it seems my understanding of it, angry, prideful guy, a lot of fear and insecurity and things like that. And he opens the door and he's all upset. And he goes, what do you want? And the guy looks at him and goes, sir, this is like for your family. And he goes, we don't need your charity. And he goes to slam the door in the guy's face. And the guy puts his foot in the door frame so he can't close. And he says, sir, please don't allow your ego to get in the way of your family eating today.
1: Oh,
0: wow. And the dad takes the food. He gets pissed off. He goes upstairs. But the dad's internal representation is like, I'm a, in his words, like I'm a charity case and I failed as a man. But Tony's understanding was strangers care. Mm. And if strangers care about me, I can care about them. And then every year he started doing what he called his basket brigade. And now he's fed like a billion plus people. But like that is this beautiful, I think, internal idea of why don't you go first you go first in the sense of be that change you want to see in the world be the love be the care be that open heart be that willingness to listen be that person who's willing to hold space without advising be that person who's willing to ask what are you needing right now and do everything you can to like help that person and it seems like you're doing that beautifully with your community and i'm sure that these people have been getting so much value from the experiences
1: well we just started out and um at the point where, we just launched November 2nd and it takes time to build the online content and our membership, uh, but uh, so far so good. And we have a virtual sanctuary. So I'll actually be doing a Reiki share on the 13th. And the last one we had was so beautiful. We had two people channeling the energy, but my intention was to send as much love that could possibly come through. And I felt it. And so did everybody else that received. In fact, the testimonials was were like, there was so much love. And there was a young lady there in her 20s who suffered with anxiety and depression. All of her chakras were blocked. She um, She called up her mother right afterwards. She's like, mom, I feel so much better. So people, you know, just don't understand that there's that we really can love each other into wholeness and love ourselves into wholeness. And, um, you know, it's just, it's a, it's wonderful when we can tap into these communities. And as you know, as a healer, right, you feel great after you work with someone because the energy is coming through you Mm -hmm. and you're also receiving, right. You're not just giving in that instance, you're receiving. And so last night I had a daughter, my daughter's friend came over and she had experienced some, Heartbreak, and somehow I had her playing an instrument, and then we started, you know, little by little, doing some Reiki, and you know, got the message today. Oh my God, I feel so much better. Thank, thank you, Alexa. Thank your mom. Blah blah blah. But you know, it feels it feels good to to work with other people. I love it. I love working with people. And then Gaia Goddess just allows that to happen on a global scale someday. So. um You know, we really can raise the consciousness of this planet through these different initiatives.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One thing I want to just share for anyone who's listening, obviously, like if you've been with us up until this point, (laughs) what I'm about to say, maybe I (laughs) earlier, but this idea of I came from a very conventional upbringing, especially from a medical science background and what so much of what I do today and how I serve people, if you would have told me 10 years ago, I'd be doing that. I wouldn't have any reference point. I would have thought that was out there, woo-woo, weird. If you hear the word chakra and you're like, I don't even know what that is. Think of it like an energy center. And when you think of the word energy and you say, that sounds like, what even is that? What I can promise you is I've seen in my own life, both as the recipient and as the the, the channel, let's say, or the or the giver, that it absolutely is real, it works. It is massively transformative. And I invite you to open yourself up to the possibility that there could be something outside of what you already know. And I think that so often if we live our life from a space of like the science is settled kind of perspective, if we science has never settled, <laughs> that's the definition of it. And so from that space of always being open, always being willing to say, you know, I often tell people magic, is science not yet understood? Because if it Mm -hmm. works, it's real. It's just that we don't know how it works. And so from that space, if something is working and it's been working, at least for our listeners, it's worked for you and it's worked for me, but it's worked for people that we have worked with and it's worked for people that's worked on us and we know people Mm -hmm. it's worked for and there's thousands of years of history on it. And so from that space, open yourself up to the possibility that just like there's so much you know now that you didn't know when you were younger, there's so much more that you will know, that you don't know now. And from that space, I think it's really exciting to just be open to. That's the first thing. Second thing was just a a point that I wrote down. I think it's important to bring up. You mentioned about fear and how one of the things, like not making a decision from a space of fear and for you, like wanting to go do breath work after this. And one of the things that came up for me, I often tell clients that, fear's favorite food is time. And so when you give fear time, you feed it. And by feeding it, it grows. And typically, when we are really afraid of something, and we wait, and we wait, and we wait, the fear gets stronger. And we get paralyzed by that fear. Mm. And So the only, or at least the primary way through it is don't feed the fear, you starve it, and you starve it with action. And whether the action is doing the thing or whether in this case it's breath work, like you're doing something that's gonna get you into a different emotional state to be able to make a decision from a more grounded, empowered space. It's beautiful no matter what it is. But from that space, we're kind of bringing a lot of what we said so far together. Where am I ignoring the signs and symptoms that are coming, coming up for me where my body's communicating something's not right. It, whether it's very apparent, like I've got a rash or I've got bumps and bruises, or I've got pain, like you had the back pain. I had a, when I was in med school, we had um, this uh, traditional Chinese medicine class because I went to a naturopathic medical school. So it's conventional medicine, metalistic holistic medicine, like smack together, you get like mm-hmm. more, which was amazing. And in traditional Chinese medicine, back pain is often associated with fear, but also with anger. And so I had this friend on a, on a clinic shift, we were working with patients together and we were taking some time um, in the break room. And I remember she told me about all this back pain she had. And I was further ahead of her in the program, uh, age-wise. And so I told her about this traditional Chinese medicine perspective. And she goes, it's really interesting you say that. And I said, why is that? And she goes, because I had back pain for years and um, I went to see this acupuncturist on a whim. I didn't really believe in it, but I figured, let me try it out. And she goes, this guy tells me about this experience. And he says, do you have any people in your life that you have grudges or resentment towards? And she hadn't spoken to her brother in years because of challenges they had. And her back pain started right after her argument with her brother. And she hadn't spoken to him in, in years. And so he took her through a process, encouraged her to call him and you know forgive and release it. And she did that, next day her back pain went away and never came back. And that was an example of the source of the pain was not physical, but it's manifesting physically. But I'd imagine she had other symptoms other than just back pain. There was, oh, I can't stand my brother. There's this, there's this, there's that. And it's like, where am I ignoring the obvious signs, the low-hanging fruit? Like, where am I not allowing this thing's coming up for me? And rather than what's this all about and think about it and address it and breathwork it and talk to people about it and get help and get support, we suppress it back down because maybe we think asking for help is a sign of weakness or maybe because maybe we were taught that or we think I should have it all figured out. I should know it all. What would people think if I asked for help? And we have all these stories and beliefs. And the one question I'd love to finish up with, at least in this segment, does this belief serve me? Does this belief serve the life that I'd love to experience going forward? And if the answer is no, how long do you want to keep holding on to it? Yeah.
1: Yeah, by the way, there's a medical doctor, I don't think he's in practice anymore, but very well known Dr. John Sarno, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: who wrote all about back pain, and it's all emotional components. And it's the book is called Divided Mind. A lot of people who just read the book, their back pain goes. Mm -hmm. And I actually got to meet him in person. Um, So that was pretty cool. Um, And have a session with him. How
0: was the experience?
1: It was really good. I mean, for the talk, I drove into the city with a traction device on my back. I left the city without it, but the underlying anger, fear, whatever that was, was still present in my life. And even though I could see some of the childhood experiences that fed into it, I had to, you know, I had to clear a lot to Mm -hmm. get the back. And, and I think also just, um, you know, when I, when I left my marriage, uh, that, that was probably when my back pain got significantly better and stayed better, you know, and now I still have one leg a little shorter than the other. And one disc a little this, yeah, you'll find physical evidence for things, but, but I don't have back pain anymore. So, you know,
0: yeah. To your point, I have a colleague, he does a lot of physical medicine, injection therapies and stuff. And he talks about how I believe uh, I'm not going to quote him on it, but I believe this is accurate. This idea that most of the time, somebody can have an abnormal, let's say X-ray of their spine where the doctor will go, Oh, you know, this isn't normal, but the person has no pain. It's like Mm -hmm. the, you know, the, like you said, the physical representation can be there of a, of a seeming problem where this doesn't look like the textbook says it's supposed to look, but the person doesn't have any issues. Right. Yeah. And so one thing I'd love to ask you from your own life experience, as well as from the conversations you've had with these women in your community and other women what do you find that many women are struggling with? And for the women who are listening now and for the men who are listening, who have women in their life that they'd love to support you know, at a higher level, what, what, what are they needing? What are they needing to hear? What are they needing to see that we haven't talked about yet? If you could share.
1: I, I really think most everybody's struggling still with this basic lack of worth and okay. misunderstanding of who we are, why we're here, what we're here to do and how magical we are. Like you said, you know, we are magical and magical things happen in synchronicities in everyday life and you know, people say, oh, that's coincidence. And then it happens again. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm really very open to to seeing these signs that come in. And I think um if women truly understood and men, how magical they are and how they can co-create with the universe intentionally from a place, from a healed place and a place of consciousness, I think that it would be a game changer. I think that lives would change, our world would change. Um, You know, things things have been dense on this planet. I think we would live in a beautiful world with so much more light and, and so much more love and less fear and also I think our planet itself, you know, would would heal because we are part of our planet. I mean, all of humanity is connected to the earth and the earth is is also suffering and going through its own transmutation process as, as humanity does. So I think that um, seeing ourselves as one, seeing ourselves um, as the light beings that we are, we came here for a reason and didn't just happen. And I don't know, I, I, for me, a spiritual approach to everything helps because as a child, I just could not buy into, we come here, we live and we die. You know, I was always asking if it's the meaning of life. Why am I here? What happens after I die? What, you know, what is God who blah, 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 blah. You know, nobody answered my questions and I didn't feel very supported, but, um, today I have deep faith and it's not a religious based faith. It's based on evidence that I have, have found for myself to be true because I feel it within, you know, it's like that internal knowing that I've been able to connect. And that I, I think we all are gifted. We all have intuition. We all have that, that truth, that inner truth. Uh, and the more we trust it, the stronger it gets and the more it leads us. So I don't know if that, that yeah, answer perfect. your question.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It answers it perfectly. You know, you use the word healed and to me, a synonym for healed is whole. And mm. when you think of, or at least when I think of the opposite of whole, let's say I were to say like fragmented. In the work that I've done with people, oftentimes you alluded to several times, like let's say there's someone younger, uh, uh, there's a younger version of us. It's when I was six, if, when I was 12, when I was 11, whatever age I was, younger than I am now, it's as if there are multiple personalities within us. And it's mm-hmm. as if, There's a version of you at each of these ages of trauma, of this perceived traumas that almost gets arrested in their emotional development. And so here's seven-year-old you, something happened. The meaning that seven-year-old you made it mean was that I wasn't worthy because of whatever the thing was. And even though as we get older, now we're in our 20s, 30s, 40s, et cetera, and consciously we know that's not true. Seven-year-old us is still in there thinking that.
1: I and, just want to tell you that at seven, my father died in an airplane crash. And okay. part of me felt like maybe I had caused it. So mm-hmm. it's funny that you just pulled that number.
0: <laughs> that's like what you and I said. You know, there's, it's, uh, all- <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry that that happened. I appreciate oh. doing it. But, you know, so you're
1: tapping into something, yeah. but you know, that's what we do.
0: Yeah. We do. And so we we, in you know, we make it mean that, in this example, I caused it, or I'm not worthy or whatever. And then we get older, and we know it's not true consciously. But at some level within, there's this anger, fear, belief, guilt, whatever it is that we harbor. And I find as a just practical tool for everyone listening, forgiveness is one of the, I think, fastest ways to returning to that healed whole state but many of us have stories about what forgiveness even means that don't serve. And so if we believe that forgiveness is condoning or forgiveness is saying that it was okay, somebody did something to us that was inappropriate and it hurt. And now we look back, it's like, well, no, I don't forgive them. Meaning that it's okay. Or I wanted it to happen or I condoned it. It's none of that different perspective. My perspective would be it serves more. Forgiveness is me choosing to forgive myself for holding on to this pain longer than it was necessary for me to release myself from the mental and emotional prison that I've been Mm -hmm. living in so that I can experience the peace that's available to me right now. And for everyone listening, a short exercise you can take yourself through is you can close your eyes and you can imagine and visualize what age were you, see that version of you in your mind's eye, whether it's a little boy, little girl, just allow that version of you to speak, allow him or her to be seen and felt and heard and all of their challenges and what they were thinking. And then just hug them, love them, fill them up in your mind with light, with love, let them know as if you're their older brother or older sister, it's going to be okay. Like I've got you. And when you come from that space and you integrate and there's more to it, but just a brief version of it, there's this level of, yeah, you know, that thing happened in my past and it's unfortunate that it happened. And in the moment it sucked and I hated it. And right now it isn't happening anymore.
1: Yeah. And
0: right now here I am, if I'm the listener, maybe I'm driving, maybe I'm doing whatever I'm doing. I'm listening to a podcast. Life can't be that bad. You know, it's like from that space, we all have our challenges. We all have our hardships and it's never to downplay or belittle any of it. I have all the respect in the world for the people who are listening and for yourself and, myself, and We all go through these challenging times, but they don't come to stay. They come to pass. We can always learn something from them. Yes. Even if it's just, maybe I should set my boundaries and enforce them. Maybe I should not be in this situation anymore. You know, But regardless of what the lesson is, when we can forgive and we can let go of the anger, I've seen miracles happen in people's life, whether it be pain, cancer, a variety of things, just go away spontaneously because individuals chose to finally let go of what they've been holding on to.
1: Yeah. And, and, and especially if it was a lesson that you were here to learn mm-hmm. when you forgive and you let go of the lesson, you don't need to keep re- attracting those experiences. So someone like, you know, keeps attracting the same guy into her life or, partner or this experience of always being taken advantage of or betrayed you know they we have experiences and they seem to recur but once you get the lesson you don't have to keep having them and the inner child work is is not easy it's that's i feel like as i traveled back layer peeled back the layers of the onion it started further out and when the inner child hit that healing three days in a massive depression hit me. And I was like, Oh, wow, this is this is something I really have to deal with. And, um, you know, I got through it. But that child stuff is like, we don't even think about the children inside us that still need to be held and said, it's okay, I got you. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so the purpose of this podcast, as well as the work I do is to help people create an extraordinary life without regret. Can you please share with us if somebody were to ask you, you know, how how do I do that how do I create an extraordinary life without regret how would you involve, mm. would you share with them
1: Well I think in order to live a full life and thrive instead of just survive because i was in survival mode most of my life you do have to you have to heal what stops you from believing in yourself from dreaming in my case i couldn't even have a dream so I I would say, you know, get to the bottom of it, get to the, get to the painful experiences, the belief systems, the subconscious um, thoughts that hold you back. And then from once you, once you go there, do it with the intention that I am, I want to be the highest vibrational being I can, which means just vibration is just the energy that you radiate. And, and, you know, kind of like in the religious pictures, you see halos around people, but like whenever I do a release, a major, and I call it wailing wall. Cause I cry like crazy, so loud, but I look in the mirror afterwards and I literally I'm like, uh, did I just get a little younger? I I don't mean to sound, you know, egotistical, but I look, my energy is amazing. And each time, you know, if it's a really big release and people say to me, my gosh, you look really good, Maria. What are you doing? You don't seem to age, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, uh, it's been a lot of crying. (laughs) It's been a lot of release work, but it's the energy now that I'm putting out. Like when someone's depressed or mourning a loss, they look like they've aged 10 years, right? Because their vibration is down. Yeah, but when they're like happy and in love, and you know, um, they're they look they just look good, right? That's energy.
0: There's a short story that you just reminded me of um, that I think really exemplifies it. When I was in school in Arizona, that's where I went to med school. There was a physical medicine class we had, and we were working on trigger points. And we've all experienced a variety of this. Imagine there's a spot you can poke on your body that hurts <laughs> it's like the fascia. Like it's almost like like the, the Saran wrap around the whole system kind of gets knotted up and it hurts. And a massage therapist kind of like digs in there and kind of works it out. And what I didn't know at the time, this is like my first year, I think in school, what I didn't know at the time is that certain emotions and not even certain emotions in general, when they're suppressed, they get in a way like stuck in the system, in the tissue, mm-hmm. And I didn't know that was a thing. And apparently, you know, body workers, massage therapists, rolfers, all these different things, people have worked in body work for a period of time. At some point they see it and they see what I'm about to share. I'm laying there on the table and my partner, a fellow student, we're doing like trigger points and we're working on what's called the psoas muscle. So think of it like this muscle behind the back of the abdomen, like where, where, where the spine is connecting the top of the body to the bottom. And apparently a lot of emotions get stored there. And I didn't know that. So I'm sitting there and she's kind of massaging the abdomen, kind of moving the moving the uh, the internal organs out of the way. And then she gets to it. And when she hits it, it was like, ooh. And then she lets go and she goes, are you okay? And I go, yeah, that, w- that felt weird. And then I just start uncontrollably laughing and crying for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And the whole room is looking at me, because they're also doing what we're doing, but I'm the only one having this reaction. (laughs) And so I am laughing, like uncontrollably, crying at the same time in in a fun way. The whole room now is laughing, and then literally 30 minutes go by, and then at the end, the professor who's laughing too, she's a doctor, she walks up to me and she goes, it's so incredible. She's like, I've only seen that once before. She goes, you just had a massive emotional release. You're glowing right now. You look so much younger. And it's a testament to what you're talking about. There's this like pocket of pain that Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, you hit on something, whether it's energetically or whether it's like a trigger point. And when it gets released, the person who's experiencing it, a memory comes to them Mm -hmm. that they haven't thought about in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. And it brings up this point a mentor shared with me. So often our pain is caused by unexperienced experiences. Yeah. So we don't feel it. We suppress it, and then it comes back later. Exactly. Yeah. And so, any comment that you wanted to share there?
1: No, I I think you know, like that's why some people will be hypnotized, so they'll know something happened, or people are like, are you sure you didn't experience this trauma when you were young? I had many people say that to me. I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure I didn't I have no recollection of that. And then it started coming up when I asked to see it in the pandemic. And then I was writing and I loved the piece, but my writing coach was like, wait, where'd you go? You left this piece emotionally. And I'm like, I need to remember it. Don't I? Darn it. Okay. I got to book that hypnotherapist. And when I went into the hypnotherapy, the really interesting thing was the trauma happened exactly as I pretended to imagine, remember it exactly. So I was literally writing what I didn't remember from some place where it had actually, it had had actually, I saw everything the way I wrote it, but I just wanted to write it because I knew it happened so that I could put it in the book. And then with the, with the hypnotherapy, I was like, Oh my God, I had it right. I thought it was just no made up, you know, what could have happened. But anyhow, um, yeah, definitely uh, those trigger points are real. And mostly what I do is I use a foam roller with breath work. I have a lot of tr- um, energy stored in my IT band, so you know, my hips, front of my thighs. So sometimes when I'm doing breath work, I feel like rubber bands are wrapped around those parts of my body. And then I will use the breath, but I'll use the breath and I'll use the breath and I'll send love to the pain i'll send love to the point because it's great to release but you want to replace you want to replace it with love you don't want just anything to fill in that empty gap of of what that trauma was so uh that's a really amazing way to deal with pain too when you're having a painful procedure done just like keep breathing love into it it it, it transforms it it makes it really feel differently but um yeah
0: And I love what your writing coach said to you. So powerful. This idea of where did you go? You disconnected from this emotionally. And I think that's so useful as a frame for people to connect to in their own life. Where am I disconnecting emotionally? Where am I physically present, but emotionally miles away? Mm. You know, where am I guarding myself? Because I don't want to feel, I don't want to get hurt. Exactly. I I might not even consciously know why, but that's the point. Like you use that as the gateway in. Yeah. And then that's where you can journal it. You can breath work it. You can work with somebody. And I love that. And so as we begin to finish up for today, if our conversation was your last opportunity to share your message with the world, with everyone who's listening, what would you want to make sure that you left them with?
1: I just would want everybody to know that we, at our core and at our essence, we are pure love and light and we're all one. We're all from the same source. And, you know, that's that's a high spiritual claim, I know, but, you know, we are all brothers and sisters and we're all one and we're all in this together. So um, I think knowing that you are of love and light um, and that you are always loved is, is important. I never felt loved. I was loved, but I never felt loved until I started loving myself. And that was like into my 50s. So I would want people to feel that love right away. Uh, know they can create it, know they can find it, cultivate it, you know, be it. Mm. Um, that's so important to me to connect to that energy because at the end of the day, that's what we all are. I mean, we may not be manifesting that in this lifetime, right? You know, we all we may all have different lessons, but uh, as souls.
0: Yeah. One thing I'd love for people to try on is You mentioned like it's a big spiritual claim, like the word you used. I would ask invite, and invite everyone listening. Don't listen from a space of, is this true or not? Because that's something that you're never going to actually know for sure. But what if you shifted to, is this useful? Does this possibly serve a better quality of life for me? And if you were to try it on for a week, a month, a year, experiment with it, if you saw yourself as this spiritual being having a human experience, if you saw everybody else as that same thing, if you saw them through the eyes of love, and if you came from that space of seeing yourself as that, and you brought love to all the wounded parts, and you all, and you brought it and radiated it to others, I promise you, your life won't get worse. And so, <laughs> so you can at least try it, and you can see you know, my quality of life better when I try on what Maria is saying. <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly. And then like what you said also, you know, everything high and low and in between, is again, like to to quote Paul Selig, is is used. Nothing's wasted, even a painful experience. Like nothing is, you know, you're never a victim. And uh, again, you know, everything is useful. So every experience you have, as no matter how painful it was, I believe every painful experience I had put me to where I am today, where I could actually envision this business. And, and so I'm grateful. I call it my beautiful pain. How about that? Yeah. Calling your pain beautiful.
0: (laughs) And I think with that, this idea of you can never be a victim, but you can feel like a victim. And from that space, that's the beautiful pain in the sense of if I feel like a victim, but I know that I'm not because I'm this spiritual being having a human experience, then from that space, it's like, okay, I'm feeling like a victim. So what is the lesson and tuning in and finding it What's that part of me that I've been judging? What's that part of me that is not healed yet? And by healing it, I love the metaphor of life as a spiral staircase. And you spiral up, but as you're spiraling up, let's say on am like the left side of the staircase, you revisit certain patterns and themes, but from a higher vantage point, yep. and from a higher vantage point, you may not respond to it the way you used to, because you've evolved. You're not that same version of you. So it's like, here you are, this like creator, this divinity incarnate, and yet we have moments of forgetting and so we can't be a victim because at our essence that's not what we are but we can feel like one but feeling like one isn't a problem unless we make it a problem it could be the opportunity like the beautiful pain you're describing this is my beautiful pain because it helps me come back home it reminds me of where i'm judging where i'm not loving where i'm in fear and Mm -hmm. don't make it a problem it can be such a gift yes and so Maria, what is the biggest decision that you've made or maybe a risk that you think you've taken that you're deeply grateful for and why? Uh,
1: um, the biggest risk I have taken is uh, the one to embark on this healing journey because it literally changed my whole reality. And there's something safe in the known, at least that appears safe, right? We like the known. I went into the unknown. I literally, you know, floated out into the ocean on my back untethered from the known. And that was scary and not at all comfortable. And certainly against some of the masks that I had on my face, but I had enough counseling and enough maybe understanding and faith to do it and um i'm okay with it every once in a while i'm like wow i can't believe i did that <laughs> so leaving a marriage of 26 years and investing in a business a big business and believing in myself um it's 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 a risk but it's a risk worth taking. And in the end of the day, what do I have to lose? Because I'm always going to be safe. I'm always going to be supported. I'm always going to be me. And um, I'm not defined by success or failure. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Right? Yeah.
0: Absolutely. You mentioned a couple events that you have coming up. Can you share with us what is what are you working on now or working towards that's exciting you?
1: Well, I'm working on a couple of retreats that are really exciting. So one is in Maui, uh, it's called The Red Thread and it's with 25 women, Mm. uh, March 20th to 25th and at a beautiful center with an incredible team. And then the next one's July in Greece. And at the same time, we're filming yoga and meditations and all this content for our library. Uh, And at the same time, we are planning programming and classes down the road. So there's a lot going on, um, a lot to be excited about, and also a lot of faith to have to keep putting my foot in front. (laughs) Next foot in front, next foot in front. You know, there's, it's a lot, an online content business plus retreats, plus events, plus programming, it's yeah. a big business <laughs> um so i i've been supported very well so far and i'm very grateful that's the thing to also focus on right in life i think when you the more you focus on what you're grateful for and patting yourself on the back so like you are good job look how far you've come don't focus on what if this happens look how come, far you've come that's a better thing to focus on so trying to focus on the positive and uh, less going into the fear of what if, because you don't want to empower that at all Yeah, right? yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and so as we wrap up here, for people who either would love to connect with you, learn more about you, people who would love to join you for these retreats in the sure. July, what's the best way to get in contact with you and find out more?
1: Sure, um, if you want to connect on our website, see the retreats, There's also a free membership and we have free content in our library. Beautiful meditation, sound baths for free. And we offer our free membership once a month virtual sanctuary. You would go to www.gaiagoddesslifestyle.com. And for some little tidbits, uh, just my energy and like, this is what I think about affirmations and I'm doing Monday, Maria's Monday mantras every Monday, I play with sound bowls. I use I do work with sound vibration as well. Uh, the Instagram is uh, Gaia Goddess Lifestyle. And we're on Facebook and uh, but I think between Instagram and and the website, we have beautiful newsletters all on different topics like grounding or how to transform your life. So those are definitely worthwhile signing up for. And with the newsletter or free membership, you get a free self-love meditation that I recorded that I cry when I listen to. So I think it works. <laughs> it touches my heart. Anyhow, <laughs> I yeah. love that. Yeah. I love guiding people. I love creating. um, And I have so many beautiful healers that I've worked with that will be working with me and working with the ladies that come and join us. So
0: I love that. I'll definitely have all of the links that Maria talked about in the the show notes. And for our listeners today, if this has resonated with you, first and foremost, please share it far and wide. I think so many people can benefit from what Maria's message and her community and what she's talking about. Please share, um, leave reviews whether it's on Apple or Spotify or YouTube or wherever you're watching this, it really does help, helps the algorithm, helps people see it. People go, oh, this is a great show. And they show some love and other people go, I'll check it out. And so it would really mean the world. Thank you so much. And Maria, is there anything you'd like to say before we close for today?
1: Oh, I'm just so, I really enjoyed this. We could talk for hours and I I love sharing with you and sharing with your audience. I can't thank you enough for having me today. And I hope we get to see each other again, maybe a year down the road when things really change. There's so much more going
0: on. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a privilege and a pleasure to have you. Thank you for doing the work on yourself. I think it's so important that we go first. And I think that just you going first shows so many other people like we talked about well maybe I can do it too and you sharing some of the challenges and the roadblocks because you know like something that you echoed earlier that I'll say now, you know, none of us have it all figured out. I have my moments, I have my days as well. And the beauty of the beauty of that spiral staircase is it happens less often, but <laughs> it still happens. <laughs> so as long as we're human, you have those moments. And so from that space though, having the courage, like you said, to have one foot in front of the other, have a dream have a goal in this case, like this community, this thing that I can put into the world that would do a lot of good and having some fear around it. Oh, that's big. That's scary. I, that's unfamiliar, but I am gonna do it anyway. <laughs> well, yeah. And we can all do that. And so just an acknowledgement to you for our listeners. Thank you for your time, your energy, your attention. They're the most valuable assets you have. And I don't take it lightly. I know Maria doesn't either, that we're here together and we value that you're here with us. Thank you for that. You know, if I can be of support, you know, my life's mission is to help leaders, champions, and high performers to experience more happiness, peace, and fulfillment as they create an extraordinary life without regret. If you've got goals, dreams, challenges, things that you're going through, you want to have a 10-year goal come true in a year, I see that happen more than you can imagine. And I'd love to have a conversation with you and see what magic we can co-create together. You can book that at com. And if you're looking for more podcasts, you're looking for, a show, uh, I almost said show notes, you're looking for videos, uh, blogs, quotes, all these things, you can check me out on Instagram at Dr. Jamil Saej, DR in my name, and Facebook and LinkedIn is just my name, Jamil Saej. Thank you so much for being here with us. I call the podcast Transformation Starts Today because I have found that most people's favorite day to change their life is tomorrow, and that's why they stay stuck. But you can be different. You can listen to our conversation that we had today and hear the nuggets of gold that was shared and say, what can I apply and begin getting into action? Like I said, begin starving that fear and begin moving in the direction of the life that you want. And I promise you, you'll be so happy you did. Sending you all so much love and wishing you the best. Thank you for being with us today. If this conversation served you, it would mean a lot if you left a review and shared this with anyone who may benefit. An extraordinary life without regret is available to you now. Choose it, it's your time.